0: Welcome to God's Messenger Lighthouse Podcast. This is your host, Brother Scott Messenger, bringing you Chapter 25 of Part 1 from Secret Believers, What Happens When Muslims Believe in Christ, by Brother Andrew and Al Jansen. Chapter 25, Six Months Later. A noise woke Abuna Alexander. It took him a moment to realize that someone was knocking on his front door. He threw on a robe and hurried, downstairs he peered out the window and saw a woman holding what looked like a small package and he heard her speaking softly for fear of drawing attention from neighbors Habuna alexander please can you let me in quickly he unlocked the door and layla stumbled into the room from the bundle she carried came a sound the cry of a baby the story emerged slowly Nora helped Layla settle the baby in the room where Salima had lived while in hiding. Then they talked until daybreak. Layla started from the day of her abduction. Initially, she didn't know who the kidnappers were, but gradually it had emerged that there was a distant cousin who was attracted to her, and after the conversion of her uncle to Islam, He had become increasingly interested in having Layla for himself. At first they tried to be nice, to have me say the Shahada willingly, but of course I refused. Layla's words spilled out as though the pressure had built up and suddenly the cap was off and her emotions overflowed. They locked me in a shed. They beat me. They made me work as a slave. I was forced to get up as soon as the rooster crowed and often I didn't get to sleep until midnight. Tears spilled frequently, and the priest's wife provided comfort for the frightened girl who had grown into a young woman during her years of abduction. One day, they were very impatient. They dragged me to a mosque and told me to say the Shahada. They promised to kill me if I resisted. Abuna, will God ever forgive me? "'He knows that I didn't mean those words. "'I didn't really become a Muslim.' "'Of course our Lord forgives you,' the priest assured her. "'Father, they told me that once I said the words, "'I was always a Muslim and could never go back.' "'You didn't mean it in your heart,' said the priest. "'They told me I could be killed for blasphemy "'if I ever went back.' "'The priest raised the intensity,' of his voice, as he said, Layla, they are intimidating you, our Lord Jesus is stronger than their threats, do not listen to their lies, you belong to Jesus, Layla thought about these words, and seemed to take comfort, she continued her story, my father and mother came to see me, and I so much wanted to tell them the truth, but the boy was right behind me, and he had a knife, and he promised he would kill me, If I didn't say exactly what he told me to say, that I was a Muslim and I was happy. Oh, father, it was horrible. The priest asked about the baby. After my family left, those people decided to move me to another farm. The boy who had kidnapped me was tired of me now, and he gave me to a friend. He told me that Abdul Kawai was now my husband, and he would beat me if I didn't obey him she wept as she told about the brutal way he came upon her every night she dreaded the evenings at least during the days even though she had to work hard she could lose herself in her work but at night she thought of her family and endured the horrors of her attacker even after she realized that she was pregnant her nightmare didn't end she was now she never she was never allowed to let up in her work and she often had to do her chores while sick and when the contractions began she had the baby on a couch in the family farmhouse of course her husband was very proud to have a son and considered him a Muslim Abuna Alexander I will never let my baby be a Muslim never I don't care what anyone says every day I pray for him I've tried to remember all that you had us read in the Bible, and I told the child the stories of Jesus, whatever I could remember. Of course, I know he's too young to understand, but I won't let him be forced to believe that awful religion. I won't. How did you escape? The priest asked. They locked me in my room every night. I always checked the door, and three nights ago, Abu Kawai was away, and his sister didn't lock the door. I took the baby and ran into the field. I've been hiding during the day and moving around after dark. It's a miracle I wasn't caught. We are so glad you have come home, said Alexander. We have prayed every day for you. What is the child's name? Nora asked. His father calls him Abdu Azim, but I call him Alexander. Abuna Alexander trembled as he he stood in front of the packed sanctuary. This was the third parish meeting since he had discovered Mustafa's body with the threatening note in front of the building. There were even more people here than at the first two meetings. In a quick visual survey of the assembly, he thought every family in the parish was represented. He noted with satisfaction that more than twenty of the teenagers were sitting in a group in one corner of the room. Layla was in their midst, and her friend, Franzia, was hugging her while another girl held baby Alexander. He also noted Layla's family on the other side of the aisle, her mother wiping her eyes with a handkerchief, her oldest brother, sitting with arms folded and a furious scowl. Layla had hesitated to go home to her family. She was afraid of their reaction, especially her brother, when he learned about the baby. So the priest had called and asked Layla's parents to come to his home, and he had exhorted them to embrace their daughter. Please don't focus on the horror, er, please don't focus on the honor and shame of your family, but rather on the fact that your daughter was captured by agents of the devil. She is now free. She needs healing and she desperately needs your love. The father had wondered about the reactions of his extended family if he allowed her back into their home. So the priest and his wife had offered to care for Layla and her child for a period of time until something better could be worked out. The anger in the church sanctuary was palatable. Clearly the congregation had reached the breaking point, and many of the men almost seemed to want an excuse to attack the Muslims. The priest prayed that God would give him words to somehow diffuse the anger. They have threatened to destroy our church, one of the parish council members was speaking. They steal our daughters, they burn our shops. It's time for us to take a stand, we must not let them push us around any more. The government will not support us. The police will not defend us. We must stand up for ourselves. Is this how Christ has taught us to respond to persecution? Alexander asked. But it was as though no one had heard him. Another businessman stood. I have talked with other Christians in town. They agree that we must stand together. We must make a statement I propose that we all gather here on Friday at noon and demonstrate outside the main mosque. One voice protested, That's during Friday prayers. We'll be in the streets when they come out of the mosque. Exactly. Everyone will know we mean business. But what if they attack us? said a voice from the back of the church. Then we fight back, said the parish council member. "'We have guns, too,' shouted one of the men. "'No!' shouted the priest. "'Everyone grew quiet. "'That is not how we will respond. "'We ought not to lower ourselves to their standards. "'We are Christians. We should be different.' "'We can't let them intimidate us,' said the council member. "'And we won't,' Alexander answered. "'But never will we send a message of hate. "'I know we're all scared. We're angry. "'And that's understandable.' But if we react with guns and violence, we are no better than the fanatics of the Muslim Brotherhood. There is another way, a better way. The parish council member sat down and everyone waited intently for the priest's alternative. As you know, for two years now, we have had a prayer meeting every week involving people from every church in town. I have talked with my fellow ministers about this situation. We propose to call a special assembly. We will erect a tent and invite all Christians to come. And we will also invite Muslims to attend. And we will tell them that we forgive them. There was an eruption of voices in protest. Finally, one man gained the floor and said, How can we forgive? People have died. Our shops have been destroyed. They rape our daughters and threaten to destroy this building. How can you speak of forgiveness? Alexander felt a surge of energy as he answered, Because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. The protester reluctantly sat down. Why do we gather here on Sundays? Why do we celebrate Eucharist? Because we are forgiven. Most Muslims know nothing about forgiveness. We are not going to seek revenge because our neighbours need to be shown the love of Christ. One woman raised her hand meekly, and Alexander nodded for her to speak. Father, we are afraid, she said. Of course you are, sister, the priest said gently. We are all afraid, but what is the promise God gives us? Perfect love casts out all fear. Brothers and sisters of St. Mark's Church, we must demonstrate to Muslims and Sik'al Khamis the love of Christ. That is our only answer. Next time, Chapter 26, Six Months Later.